Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. We have talked about many things today, and I think it's important uh, that we uh, speak into what's happening in our lives, in our, uh, you know, and in our nation, uh, in our, in the nations of the world, the things that we're dealing with at the moment. I could talk about a whole series of different things and give you seven points about uh, what the you know, Israelites learnt when they left uh, Egypt and went into the Promised Land and and all these things. And you could do a great message about a whole lot of different subjects. But uh, there's some things happening in our world at the moment that we're all facing, that we're all dealing with. It's not a one-off thing or happening in one place, but it's affecting everybody. And today I want to share um, on a topic that I believe that a lot of people are uh, maybe struggling with, and there could be some people struggling with it here. Uh, definitely there's other people in other places and, and around the world that are really being affected by it. And, uh, and before I tell you what that is, I just want to lead in with a few other uh, statistics and things that uh, to share about uh, the subject that will lead into it and why it's so important that we talk about this. And I believe that today, as we do that, that it's actually going to equip you. It's going to set some people free. It's all going to also going to equip you with how you can help others and speak into others' lives and help them with things that they are facing at the moment. Um, when we were at conference through the week, uh, we had a guest speaker on. He was a psychologist, and he shared um, some t- statistics uh, about uh, about. It's about COVID and about things that are happening, and I'm not going to dwell on COVID and all that, but I want to uh, lead into it with some information that helps us uh, to process and understand what's happening around us. Um, and he shared, and I remember when he brought up this slide of uh, statistics, I remember I'd read it about probably six, seven weeks ago, that this info had come out. And I just want to read to you uh, what they have found. They did a 12-month uh, research and got some data, and it was done by the CDC, which is the Center for Disease control and uh, they did this in a group of people um, from around the world and involved uh, looking at 540,000 people that had died um, with COVID. Okay, not necessarily died of COVID, died with COVID. Be very aware that there's a difference. Okay, um, so they had died with COVID. Uh, and what they found is that, they, that 99.1% had one or more underlying health conditions that caused them to you know, die of COVID when they got COVID. The same thing can happen, obviously, with other flus and colds and things as well and other um, illnesses. But um, they, this was particularly with people that had COVID. And so 99.1% had one or more underlying health conditions. So they researched then the underlying health conditions and put them into a table showing which conditions had the greatest impact on a person's health. So they worked it out. So you'd straight away think, oh, well, you know, if people had a lung condition or a heart condition and diabetes and things like that, um, that that would uh, affect it. Yes, it has, but it wasn't the top ones. Okay. And so I just want to read to you what the two, the two very top things they found were contributing the most to people uh, dying of COVID that are basically... Um, that affected their life. The first one, the number one that had a 30% increase in someone dying of COVID was obesity. I'm not going to be talking about obesity, but the obesity, as we know, um, affects many different health conditions, not just, you know, um, just not to do with this, but can affect your life in many different ways. So obesity came out the top. But the second one that came out of the, of the results surprised everybody. And basically I thought, well, this is like, quite serious how this has worked out and the second thing 
that affected people dying the most was anxiety and fear disorders. And so this is out of 540,000 people. And if you are dealing with an anxiety or fear uh, disorder, related uh, disorder, in other words, that is like a, a, the anxiety is so prevalent or strong or fear is so strong that it's affecting you physically, uh, mentally and things like that, um, then there's a 28% chance of increase that you'll die if you get COVID. So the interesting thing about this is though that it was the opinion of one of the main doctors in the study that the, when they investigated that the anxiety and fear arose once COVID started. It wasn't a disorder they had before. So because of fear and anxiety that rose um, during COVID, and he said, and it should be looked at as a bad sign of negative COVID outcomes. In other words, he said, in other words, situations that have happened since COVID started. In other words, people being you know, locked down or people can't travel or people can't see family or people are constantly hearing negative or bad news over and over and over again. And the fear and anxiety has increased and happened due to these conditions. So, and, he, and they've all happened since this thing started, appeared in our world. So some of the very things that are meant to be protecting people from COVID and this outbreak are actually contributing to people dying. And that's, and whether you have a million answers or not, I'm not a medical professional, but I'm just giving you some facts out of this. Whether you, whether you look at it whatever way you want to look at it, wherever your stance is, the fact is that that's the world we're living in at the moment and there's an imbalance of stuff going on and people and, the, and there's people that we're not just you know, dealing now with a pandemic like a disease, a physical disease. Now we also are living with a pandemic of fear and anxiety and the fear is that it's going to become even a bigger problem than the actual disease itself. Um, it's affecting people from children to the elderly to whatever and there's... And I want to talk into this today. I want to talk a bit more about fear and the fact that I don't want to dwell on the negative side of fear, but I want to tell you that God says to fear not. And I want to talk about fearing not today, not to fear. The thing is about something and about fear especially, if people keep hearing the same language of fear long enough, it gets into them and they start repeating it. Uh, I've had conversations with people uh, more and more that as soon as they start speaking and you know, inevitably, you know, it doesn't have to be all about COVID. If COVID or something comes up straight away, eventually it might, and we have this conversation there, something comes out of their mouth and you, you can tell they're coming from a place of fear. They're afraid of that. They're afraid of that. I can't do this. I can't do that. And they're being affected. And there's straight away, there's an anxiety. There's a fear. Uh, that can happen in many different things in life. But especially with what's going on at the moment, because it's not just happening in one place, it's a worldwide thing. And, and it's on, everyone's talking about it. Wherever you go, everyone knows about it. And people have been hearing this over and over, the negativity, the bad news over and over again. And, and they haven't seen family. And they haven't been able to do this. And they haven't been, their lives have changed. They've 
been stuck in lockdown and, and we've been blessed where we are here. It hasn't really affected us that much. We've had like six cases of COVID in Harvey Bay, I think, in two years. And so, but other places are obviously totally different and, and we still have our freedom, so to speak, and we're still doing places, but other people, millions of people, um, haven't had that. There's uh, friends and family in uh, down south in Melbourne and mums talk to them and things like that. And some people... A couple of them said they're actually, now they can actually go out of their house, but they're actually basically finding it hard to leave their house because they've been in it so long. And it become and it's foreign to actually move outside and foreign to do these things because they have been stuck in that place for so long and it's affected, they suddenly are now realising this is affecting my mindset, this is affecting mentally, this is affecting my... And they haven't realised it until they started to do something different and they realised this has actually affected me more than I think. So we, people, you know, are speaking out and from a place of fear. The problem is, is when you start speaking out of a place of fear and fear is in control and anxiety is in control, you start going to absolutes. Things like I've had someone um, say the other day that, they said, everyone who gets COVID dies. That's what they believe. Now, they, that's what they believe. I've, not, I've heard someone else has said the same thing to me. They said, i got a friend that said the same thing. So they've heard, if you sit at home and you watch the same thing in the media all day and you're only hearing negativity and there's not giving you the big whole truth or the picture or a balanced report, then if you listen to that long enough, then you can come to the conclusion because of the fear and anxiety in your heart and mind is so strong that you in your own mind start making up your own resolutions about things and suddenly going, if I get this, I'm dead. People get it. Now the truth is, that's not true at all. Okay, we're talking about 2%, around about 2% of people have died, usually with... 99% of them having underlying condition, right? So it's not the truth, but fear expands. Fear makes everything look bigger. Anxiety makes everything look worse. And so people, there's people out there that, and we sort of hear that and go, where can they believe that? But they've been indoctrinated so much with this negativity and hearing it over and over again and being isolated and having talked to family, whatever it may be. And that's, in their mind, that's what they're thinking. And so the truth gets kind of, pushed to the side because they've been affected so much. So you get absolute statements. Many media outlets, let's talk about media for a second, are speaking and feeding fear. They've done that for many years with many other things, but, you know, they're always whatever to get a story. Fear is always a good way to get it. Uh, You know, uh, this happened, that happened or whatever. It's always a lot of negativity. You don't hear a lot of positivity or you hear half the truth. You don't get the full picture. And so media has contributed to this, you know, whatsoever. Not every media outlet, but many have. And so if people are just watching, you know, media all the time, then all of a sudden they're just going to be hearing the same thing and then and they're getting caught up in fear and anxiety. Even leaders, you know, leaders in state leaders in different states are coming and speaking out of a place of fear. And, uh, you know, they've got a tough job. You know, I wouldn't want to be a leader trying to sort through all this stuff with all the pressures of people, this opinion, that opinion, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, and that blah, 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 blah. And the media's throwing their two cents in as well and all that kind of stuff. But they're also dealing with fear and anxiety 
themselves. What if, what if, what if I don't, what if I make this mistake? What if I change this? What if I do that? What are people going to say? What's the media going to say? What if it's my fault that that happens? What about the economy? Blah, blah, blah. All this kind of stuff is happening. And so people are coming out of a place of fear. On um, just last week, I heard a statement from a, uh, one is someone in the health department in Queensland, and they said, these are their exact words, they said, COVID's coming over the border as soon as we open it up and everyone in Queensland's going to get it. That's what they said. It's great leadership, isn't it? Um, that's a very irrational statement. Um, yes, it could happen. Yes. And if you keep eating the wrong foods, and if you, if you group of people keep eating all those foods as well, all of you are going to get diabetes. Right? That's an irrational statement as well. That's not the truth. So, yes, it's possible, but it'll probably take years. And in those years, our treatment of it will get much better. Our vaccines will get much better with less side effects than they have now. All these things are changed. And to throw out a statement like that is an irrational statement. And the reason why that has happened is because they're dealing with fear and anxiety themselves. And they've been saying things for so long. And, and trying to deal with it. And that's not necessarily they're trying to create fear. They don't even realize they are because they're just stuck in this place. And I want to talk about a bit more into this as well because it's not just a physical thing we're dealing with. It's just a spiritual thing as well. And so Isaiah 41.10 says this though. And we, in this time, we need to listen to God. We need to put God's word first. We need to understand what he says because there's been situations like this in history and God has said in his word and to deal with fear and it's in here so many times. In Isaiah 41.10, and uh, Rach read this before, it says, Fear not, for I am with you, but not dis- be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And the Passion Translation of the same scripture says this, Do not yield to fear, for I am always near. Never turn your gaze from me, for I am your faithful God. I will infuse you with my strength and help you in every situation, and I will hold you firmly with my victorious right hand, says God. It says in the the words, fear not, are mentioned in the Bible more than 80 times. And the words fear not and don't be afraid are mentioned 365 times in the Bible. Because God knows we're always going to face, there's going to be situations where you're going to have to face fear. There's going to be situations happen where fear is going to try and come in and attack or attach itself to your life in a situation or a circumstance. And so God knows this. So he is already, his word is full of saying, you don't need to fear because I'm with you. You don't need to fear because I have a victorious right hand. You don't need to fear because I'm stronger. I am greater. So there's all these, you can go through the Bible and you can read 365 scriptures scriptures that will tell you not to fear or don't be afraid. And so we can choose to listen to one set of voices out there that are telling us one thing or their opinion or their idea or a half truth or a, or, the, or a stretched truth or whatever it may be. And we can listen to that opinion, but we can also need to balance it out with what God says. It doesn't mean we ignore other voices and we don't be silly or we don't get out of balance, but we need to see what God is saying in the situation and bring a balance to what has been what is happening in a nation in our own lives and have maturity about everything that is going on. Some fear is good. Have you ever been to the edge of a cliff? 
This is the edge of the cliff today. It's 500 meters down. And if, I don't know if you've ever been to a cliff. I've been to a cliff that's about that high and looked down. If you've ever gone, um, if cliff, and if it has no rail, it's worse. And, uh, and if you ever, you know, you imagine walking, go to the edge of the cliff, and you look down, and suddenly you get this wave of adrenaline and like this little bit of fear going, okay, don't be silly. Get away from the cliff. Get away. And suddenly you go, what if it breaks? What if that happens? What if that falls down? And, and it's like all this stuff goes. And so that's, that's actually... Uh, put in us as a healthy bit of fear because it actually it's a protection mechanism to cause you from doing something stupid and falling off a cliff okay we don't want to do that have you ever been uh up a you know a high-rise building to the 40th or 50th floor and uh with a balcony and you walk out in the balcony it's got a railing and all that and you look at and you and you look down and you see these little ants walking on the ground and they're people and then all of a sudden you see a helicopter and it's flying underneath you and when that happens you know i'm up a long way because a helicopter i'm higher up than a helicopter and suddenly something inside you goes oh i wouldn't want to go down there and suddenly you get this fear going oh well you know god i need to stay away from the edge even though the railing and all that I need to stay away from the edge if you're on the first floor and you do that you're like oh no worries I could jump down there it's all good I'd survive but when you're up a bit higher it's like it kicks in because it's a protection mechanism but if you go to that and you go to a, uh, that building and you look over the edge are you suddenly you know that fear's there for a moment it kind of goes away but do you go and go I'm never staying in a high-rise building again do you know how dangerous those I went up there and I got scared I was scared for about 30 seconds and I'm never going back again. You don't do that. Maybe some of you have. Is anyone not going back to a high-rise building again? One person, yes, I can understand. Look, there's no way I'll go stay on the second floor. And so, but the majority of us, like, we don't stop going there because we had felt a little bit of fear. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about fear that is a whole other level. We're talking about fear that starts to control your life, fear that causes anxiety, fear that starts controlling what I do, what decisions I make and, and how I think about things. And my life starts getting affected by this. And then and, it's, and medically, fear and anxiety, then it can affect you physically, affect, can affect your heart, can affect your health, can affect all these things like we read earlier. And it can affect a whole range of different things. And so God has some things to say about fear. In 2 Timothy 1.7, the New King James Version, I'm going to read three different versions to give you a whole picture of this. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. In, in the New Living Translation, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. Notice that one says sound mind, one says self-discipline. Self-discipline is the ability that results in a calm and well-balanced mind. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a calm and well-balanced mind. And the Passion Translation, it says, For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. In the Aramaic, the word self-control also is translated revelation light and instruction. He will give you revelation light and instruction. In other words, he'll help you to see clearly, make right choices, balance choices with wisdom. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, love, and self-control, a sound mind, of self-discipline. Notice that in the middle of that scripture is love. 
love because love holds things in balance. Love holds things together. Troy mentioned and talked about love before. Love is so important to God. It's in the middle of everything. The Bible says God is love. And so love keeps the you know, power, the, the mindset, all that kind of stuff from getting out of balance. Love's in the middle because we need to love people when love needs to be in the middle of everything that we do. The second thing I want you to note is that God says that fear is a spirit. says that I have not given you a spirit of fear. Can I just tell you that in our nation right now, they're not, we're, not, we're not just dealing with physical things, we're dealing with a spirit of fear, a spirit of fear. And we need to understand this. And as Christians, we need to understand it because the answer to that and the removal of that won't come through physical means. It'll only come through spiritual means. It'll only come through the church. It'll only come through Christians rising up and, under, and seeing what it is and pushing back against the spirit of fear. Because I want to tell you, the enemy does not want to let go of control of the spirit of fear and will fight tooth and nail to hang on. But God's power is much greater. So we're fighting against a spirit of fear. It's at work in our nation. There's natural battle, but there's also a spiritual battle. So what if we grab this scripture for a moment, though, 2 Timothy 1.7 we just read, and flipped it around for a moment? What if someone has a spirit of fear? Would that would, in my mind, then those the power, love, self-control would be flipped around and we'd have some opposite reactions to that. And so if someone has a spirit of fear, then people would feel powerless. People would be unloving. People would be undisciplined or, or have an irrational mind. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think people in our nation are feeling powerless at the moment? They are. Straight away, to me, that sounds, that's a sign that there's fear. There's fear. There's anxiety. It just makes sense to the Word of God that, that there's people feeling powerless. They're, they're not sure what to do. They feel they want, they want to get, they're desperate to get back to some kind of normal. Now, we haven't had it as bad as maybe down south, but they've been locked up for ages. We'll, we'll do whatever it takes to get some, back, you know, some normal, normality in our life, whatever it makes. We, what do we have to do? And fear makes you just follow along with whatever we have to do. If this is going to work, we'll go with that. And even if some of the, the ideas and, that and the guidelines don't even make sense, They'll still go along with it because we just because I'm I just want to get out of this thing. I want to, I want something to change. I've been I'm sick of this. I don't know what else to do. And so you can see how fear can actually get a hold of someone's mindset and heart and all this kind of stuff. And then they just well with with not even thinking things through. Going yeah, we'll just do that. We'll just do that. We'll just do that. And it's happening through all different areas. So people are just following guidelines, even if they don't make sense. Sometimes they feel powerless to do anything different. And that the other thing is that people um, in authority are also making decisions out of a place of fear and anxiety, like I mentioned before. So if they're dealing with fear and anxiety, then suddenly then if it, fear and anxiety doesn't always help you to think straight or think things through properly, can it cause irrational thinking, then suddenly you're making decisions with an irrational thinking. And that's why we've been getting... Um, 
some rules here and some rules there, and then oh, a week later we're changing that because that's and then they and there's and there's all the and some just going well that doesn't even make sense why are we doing that and so all this stuff just people understand what I'm saying here so there's some in- irrational thinking coming because they're coming out of a place of fear they're trying they are trying to go we want to try and help people we've got to try and do the best but out of out of fear and anxiety and what about this and what what if I make the wrong decision and so they're afraid to do this or afraid to do that and suddenly we get some lopsided stuff going on and people get a bit confused going, I don't even know what I'm meant to be doing anymore because I have no idea what this means. Recently, um, a leader in one of the states, they said, oh, we're going to open back up. We're going to open back up golf courses. This happened very recently. And, um, and you can go and play golf again. You can go to the golf course and you can, the staff can go and be there. You can obviously buy a drink if you need to or whatever. And you can be in your family group or a group of two or whatever and go around the course, play golf and uh, do all that kind of stuff. But they said the only thing you can't do is no one's allowed to use the toilets. True, okay? From a state, state level leadership, you can do everything. You can play golf, but you can't use a toilet. Now, so what? So we all pick a tree. I'm going to play golf. I'm having that tree. Okay, that's a number one tree. That's a number two tree over there because it's bigger, okay? And there's your toilet paper. So uh, I can't last four hours playing golf, and so go use a tree. So, so the next day, people, including them, everyone's like, this is the most ridiculous thing we've ever. So they just and then, so two days later it was all changed. You can now use the toilets when you go play golf. But my point is that suddenly, like you would think, you kind of think those things through before announcing something like that. Obviously they did, but in their own thinking, they thought, well that'll be fine. No. No, it's not fine. That doesn't work. And so it's irrational thinking, but that comes out of a fit. What if, what if we open up the toilet? It could be worse. Well, there could be consequences to that or whatever it may be. And so that's what I'm talking about, irrational thinking. Fear causes anxiety. Fear causes these things to not think things through properly. Uh, then there's the issue, the main one in the middle about being what we talked about, people feeling powerless, irrational thinking in the middle is love. So this issue of being unloving, have you noticed recently that people have not been as caring, not being as unloving? You, you don't, you, you don't want to you know, even get on a Facebook feed about well, some conver- controversial thing or some statement or something and then it's like hundreds of arguments happening over this and that and the other and people saying all kinds of vile things. There's been terrible things said between leaders of states. There's been all kinds of things are happening. People uh, in being unloving. And the problem is when people are like that and have uncaring, unloving, it causes division. It causes division. And at the moment... Our nation, in my lifetime, our nation is the most undivided it's ever been in my lifetime. We aren't, at the moment, living in one nation. We're living in separate states and territories. Because people have put up borders and, and their rules and guidelines, and they're not, and then some of the things doesn't work, and some have got that rule, and some have got... And it's dividing people, dividing families, dividing people, causing problems, causing issues, some of which doesn't make sense of why you let some people in and some people out. And we can go on for ages about all the inconsistencies with stuff. So it causes division when, when there is unlove, when there's a spirit of fear, and it's exactly what the spirit of fear wants to do. And so... The spirit of, we aren't just dealing also with the spirit of fear, but we are now also dealing with the spirit of division, disunity. These 
the answers to this when, when you're dealing with the spiritual stuff isn't physical things. You can, you can try and open things up or whatever, but the spirit of division, a spirit of uh, fear doesn't want to let go easily. They want to hang on and keep the division, keep that stuff, keep people separated. We don't want people in unity. And I'll tell you why, because the Bible says to us in Psalm 133 how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Now it's speaking to us because we have to lead the way and it says in the end of verse 3, for there the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore. In other words, God loves unity. The enemy hates unity. God loves unity and places blessing upon it. And the enemy does not want blessing placed upon God's people. And so he wants to keep people in disunity. He doesn't want a nation to be in unity because when a nation's in unity, God's blessing, God's principle is also poured out on that nation, especially through Christians and what we do. So at this time in our world, we as a church need to show the way and shine the light and be in incredibly good unity together. Not just in our own churches, but in churches churches in our cities we need to show incredible unity and while others are in disunity while others are separate while others are arguing over this that or the other we can lead the way and say no we want to show you how it needs to be God loves unity recently I, I watch I, I keep up a bit of pol- politics and different things and things are going on and and recently um, in another state, a decision was made to change the names of some of some groups that were dealing with COVID stuff. So they're called the Crisis Response Team, I think, and another one. And they changed it from crisis to recovery, which I thought that's a great idea. We're gonna, now we're going to get out of this thing. We're going to recover out of this thing. And do you know what? And you think that would be like, oh, that's awesome. Do you know what? They copped criticism from a whole bunch of people, including media, saying you shouldn't change that name. We're still in a crisis. We want to stay in the crisis. I tell you what, a spirit of fear and a spirit of division behind that will want people to stay in crisis. We want people to stay in fear. They don't want things to change. They don't want wording to change. And so they've, they have changed the name. But it's amazing when, when people, the wording, oh, they change the name to a group and we're going because we're looking to get out of this thing. We're looking to move forward. It's like, oh, no, the spirit of division, the spirit of fear. No, we need to stay where we are because we, don't, we, don't, we want people to be trapped. We want people to be, you know, not... We want to stay separate, all this kind of stuff. So we're dealing with a spiritual situations. When we're in a spiritual battle for our nation, victory will only come through a church that prays, through Christians who pray, people that speak into a situation, that, that speak the truth. I want to remind you, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has never will never give you a spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love and self-control. Mighty power, love, and self-control. The Holy Spirit gives us mighty power, love, and self-control. It's the opposite to any spirit of fear. It's the opposite to any spirit of division. I, uh, who was here at Source Shane Willard when we was visiting? Quite a few of you. Who remember, uh, remembers that he told a story about the Brownsville Revival? And he shared a story about uh, a couple of you, not too many, shared a story about uh, a group of uh, young boys that were mocking them in the back of the church at 2.30 in the morning. And, then, and they were mocking them about 
pretending to be healed and all of a sudden, uh, you know, and basic one of them who was paralyzed from the waist down, they'd hooked up ropes and, and things and, and, and they're pretending, oh, and they laid the hands on him and pretend, oh, he's going to be healed and they're going to move his legs around. This is at 2.30 in the morning in a church meeting, ending, he's praying for people. And then as this young guy, young at old age, laid hands on this kid pretending the power of God hit him and healed him. And then all these, this group of young adults came down the front and, and sort of with just kind of like blank looks on their faces and talked to him. And he walked over to them with security because they were causing a bit of a ruckus. And then um, and he said, you know, can I help you? He said, oh, I think you were you seeing what we were doing? He says, yeah, I see you were mocking. And I think, you know, if you're going to continue to do that, you need to leave because it's 2.30 in the morning. He's tired. He's like, I'm over this. And so he said, oh, well, um, can I just tell you, we, we did all that stuff, we set it up, we we're going to do all this stuff, and then I put my hand on him, and then this power hit him, and he can now walk, and he told him the story. And these are kids that weren't Christians, they were atheists, didn't believe in God, mocking God, all that kind of stuff. And Shane said, if God can use someone, an atheist kid, to heal an atheist kid who's healed, then what, God, what else could God do? What is going to stop God doing anything at all? I... Um, Years ago, in 1998, I uh, went to Brownsville for a week, and uh, and and it was I saw some amazing things happen, and um, and mostly in that in that movie, God, people were getting saved. They were getting you know just right with God, coming back to God. And uh, we arrived there, and um, and I knew there'd be a lot of people going, so we thought we'll get there early on the first night. We we're going to go for about six nights. And we'll go there early so we can get a seat. So we thought it started at seven o'clock at night, ran every night, and so we thought we'll rock up at five. That's pretty early. So we rock up at five. The main building was already full with 5,000 people and uh, and then we were sent to another building which held 2,000 people with a large screen and we just got a couple of chairs in that building and fit in two hours before the meeting and so that was an awesome time even in that building and so we um, I asked someone I said so what time do you actually have to get here to get into the main building and they said well some people start lining up at 5 a.m. And so, so we thought, right, you know. So we arrive at 9 a.m. Uh, the next morning and uh, waited. Um, but they let us in about an hour before, I think. So we were there for like nine hours, uh, standing out in the sun, uh, in the hot. It's in Brand, it's in Pensacola, Florida, so it's hot. And uh, and so at this time of year, and we, we were out there. And before we even got there, there was five to six hundred people lined up in front of us. And they'd bring their marquees and their food and all that kind of stuff, but they were so hungry for God. These are people that weren't just from the local area. They traveled from all over the world, traveled from different places. And so we got into that main building and we came out every day for the rest of the time. If we wanted to get in the main building, we came that time. And we stood there all day long meeting with people. People are praying for each other, getting healed, getting saved in the lines. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And you'd walk into the buildings and, and the meeting hadn't even started officially, but people were worshipping, people were praying, and all this stuff was going on. And, um, and I saw amazing things happen. And so I remember some significant things were happening that were there were uh, there was like there was like witches and warlocks. Now they weren't the ones that um, you know you sort of they wear the makeup and do all that kind of stuff. They're the usual ones that are dabbling in it. The serious ones you don't know they really are. And so they would deliberately come into the meeting with an intention of disrupting the meeting, putting curses on the leaders, curses on the pastors, on the worship people, and curses and disrupt. And so they just believed that their power of darkness was much greater. And so they would come to do this. And and I remember like I was there about the third 
night, uh, we were there, and all of a sudden at the end of this worship, we've been worshiping for an hour or two, and uh, all this worship, this lady screams out like this shrill scream and runs out of the building. Runs out of the building. And so, and then the worship leader casually, like it happens all the time, was uh, there and basically saying, oh, don't worry about it. That's just as a witch came to disrupt the meeting and couldn't handle the presence of God and has left. And just kept and just kept going to the next song. And so it's like, happens all the time. And then I heard, while I was there, there was a, um, and you can actually look these up on YouTube if you want to look through them all, but there was a guy that who got baptized at a baptism service once a week and hundreds of people getting baptized. And before they got baptized, they would tell a bit of their story. And this guy gets up and he said, I used to be a warlock in this area. And I came uh, to the meeting here um, a few weeks ago and I um, decided I was going to come and I was going to curse this meeting and I was going to disrupt it. I was going to put curses on leaders here and he named what I planned to do. And I, I knew that, you know, I thought the power of the darkness that I had was greater than this. And he said, I walked into the meeting and he said, it just this worship started and this song started. And he said, I quickly realized that the power in this place was no was far, far greater than anything that I carried. And he was a, this is a full-on guy. He was serious about what he did. And he shared his story, how God totally in a moment said, so he dropped to his knees and repented and gave his life to Jesus. And God set him free. And the, the presence and anointing in that place was so strong that you couldn't sit on the fence. And when they do an altar call for salvation, they didn't say, close your eyes, put up your hand. They said, if you need to get right with God, come to the front. And so, five, and so 500 to 1,000 people a night didn't just walk to the front, ran to the front, weeping and crying before God, and God was setting them free one after another. And so I want to share those stories to let you know and remind you that no power of darkness, no spirit of fear, no spirit of division is, is any match for the power and presence of God. When God says, when God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of mighty power, He's talking about mighty power that in a moment can set someone free, that a moment can change a nation, a state, a city. He can pour out His presence and power. And no matter who it is, what they've been into, no matter what's going on, they can be free because God's power is unmatchable. It's unmatchable. God's power is greater than anything else. And I want to tell you, you have access to that power. In the name of Jesus, we carry that power and we can walk in authority and speak into situations, speak into our nation, speak into your friends, whatever it may be. Live speak when you have conversations and, and you can tell it's a fear-based conversation. When they're anxious, you can begin to speak into their lives and say, you don't need to be afraid. Your, that thinking is not rational thinking, thinking about what you're doing. There's a there's, don't be afraid. There's, you can be free. Don't be afraid. You can speak into lives because God has given you access to mighty power. God is calling us to love people. You know, the greatest thing you could do at the moment is go visit your neighbor and just give him a gift. Buy him some chocolates. Go just simply walk next door, whether you know them well or not, and say, oh, I was thinking of you. I'd just like to give you something. Just doing that one act alone will make them think, why did that person think of me? You don't know, we don't know what people are dealing with at the moment and where we're living, you know, obviously it's, in, it's, it's fairly good compared to other places in Australia and all that kind of stuff, but there's people 
dealing with fear and anxiety because they're just hearing it over and over and over again. Especially people if they're, you know, living by themselves or, you know, uh, don't get out much, they're just going to be bombarded with this stuff and they need people to shine light into the dark. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.